Welcome to Church in the Valley. There's uh, two groups here this morning. There's men who are like, that was the best video I've ever seen in church. And there's women that are absolutely disgusted that people actually do that. Every single one of those clips, you see a guy with a lighter. There may be women on camera, but they're not that, you know, dumb to get that close. But this series is uh, going to be talking about uh, kind of three pursuits and three things that really matter to us as humans, uh, money, sex, and power. And these things are the kind of the hidden things in our heart that can tend to uh, explode and cause lots of problems for us. But as you look at that video, uh, there's a part in which you are just kind of amazed that actually people do that kind of thing. And there's just a few of them, like, I'm really, like, yeah, hair, it, it will burn, like, so you don't light your head on fire. That seems like that, that makes sense. And my favorite one was like, let's start the Disneyland fireworks display in this neighborhood. And you just, car alarms go off. But there's something about that video that every single person there did that because it made sense to them to do it. It wasn't by accident. Now, maybe they didn't want the explosion or their, their whole body to catch on fire, but it made sense for them enough to take those steps, which led to that, those consequences, which you have a video and it goes viral and we can see in churches across America. But I will add, nobody was hurt in the making of these videos. So if, if you're one of those people like, I, how was everyone? Everyone's okay. Nobody was hurt. I think embarrassed, humiliated, but they weren't hurt. But in this, uh, you know, you, you can chuckle and you can laugh. And you can see these things that just, oh my goodness, that just blew up in their face. Well, in life, like I mentioned, there, there's things that can tend to do that as well. They become incinerate. Thank you. It's the I word, which means it can blow up. But those things are, are real in, in life and they can cause a lot of problems for us. But what tends to happen in life is that these things are hidden uh, in in our heart. And we may not outwardly talk about them. We may not outwardly show that this is going on, but there's things in our heart that can tend to really get us off track. And the three main things are, are money, sex, and power. These th- three things are real. They're powerful. And they've actually been given by God to, to bless us. And there's things that can happen in the right order so they can be a blessing. But what tends to happen is as we get involved in life and as things, these things come to us, we can get focused on the wrong things. We can get things in the wrong order and that can cause a lot of problems for us. And so today and for the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about how God has set in place things that can help us make sure that we don't get swallowed by these things that can explode. He actually wants to protect us, not only to protect us from harm, but also for us to experience the blessing. So it's not just that we miss an explosion. It's that we actually stay clear of destruction, but actually can build something that will last. And so I'm glad you're here. And frankly, for me, these these topics are so prevalent in our culture today. Last week was the Super Bowl. And in the commercials, they're basically saying, you know, pay attention to me. And everyone kind of rallies around the commercials And in the Super Bowl, it's like the time that everyone pays attention to marketing, but it's still marketing. And they're still wanting you to do something or they want you to think something. They want you to feel something. And if you looked at kind of a survey of those commercials, you'll find those three things, money, sex and power are kind of going on in each of those commercials. They want you to to feel like I need something. I need to spend something. I need money to be able to do that. Or if I do this, this will make me somebody worthwhile. If I look this way, if I act this way. Or if I have this status, 
I'll be able to kind of get ahead in life. And so these things really appeal to us. So it's really easy in our culture and in our lives for all this stuff to kind of stay beneath the surface. But just because it's beneath the surface, it doesn't mean that it's not sparks and there's not kindling and eventually it can blow up. And so that's what we're going to be talking about, how to actually deal with the things that are in our heart that maybe nobody sees, but that's in there that can cause a lot of problems. And so really, like I mentioned, the scriptures are designed and and God has entered the world and he guides us in a way to protect us. And in life, we have to make a decision. Uh, Will I allow God to lead me? And will I follow God's way of life? Those big decisions are crucial to doing life God's way. You have to decide that you will allow God to lead you. And then you have to decide that as he leads you, you're going to do it his way. That's what it means to be a Christian. You follow in the footsteps of his son, Jesus Christ. And he calls the shots. So all of us have to make that decision and we may be in different parts today and we are wrestling with different things, but that's kind of where it starts. There's this idea that God says, I want to lead you. I want to show you the best kind of life. And because of that, not only will I show you the right things to do, but I'm also show you the things that you need to be careful of. And he gives us precautions. He gives us warnings and a precaution uh, in the dictionary is a measure taken in advance to prevent something dangerous, unpleasant or inconvenient from happening. And the good thing about the scriptures are again and again, you find not just outdated material or historical facts, you find precautions, you find warnings. You find these like little sirens that go off and say, pay attention to this. If you pay attention to this and you're careful to follow in the way that God says you should live, you will be prevented and protected from these unpleasant things that can happen. So the scriptures are instructive and that's why at Church in the Valley we encourage everyone to read them. No matter where you are, read the scriptures and from it you get a sense of what life should look like. But like many things in life, there's a right order that exists. Making sure you do things in the right order is key to experience the blessing that God has. And so that's what we're going to be coming coming from, from from this series. The danger comes when we determine that we know the right order of things and we know the right path and we want to do life alone. And when we do life independently, these are when the explosions can tend to happen over time. And so today we're talking about money, uh, something that we all experience, we all hope to have so we can actually provide for our life and our family and get things that we need, get things that we want. Uh, money is something that we all deal with and we all deal with it on a daily basis. But just like everything else, uh, if you focus on the wrong things with money, it can lead to a lot of problems. And somebody that pursues money selfishly just to kind of please themselves, that's what we would call a greedy person. And we all have a different measure of what greed is. For some, it's, you know, if you just hoard everything, you don't share with anyone, you're greedy. Or if you just work, 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 and you just money, 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 you could be considered a greedy person. But it's kind of objective. Or subjective, I should say. It's, it's kind of difficult to know what, what makes a greedy person greedy and what makes somebody not greedy and who decides that. And there's a lot of confusion. But whatever the confusion is, there's a sense in greed is something, again, that kind of is in our heart underneath the surface. And it's kind of boiling. And it's really this pursuit that I, I, I really want what I want. And I want to get it. And I think I deserve it. And we all deal with this. There's things that we want in life. We want it. We think we deserve it. And we kind of take an approach that whatever I need to do to get it, I will do. And this can lead to to many 
many problems. Greed, it can separate family and friends. Uh, when, you, when you get stingy, uh, you can build a wall between you and others. When money is your only pursuit in life that you're driving towards, and people get in the way of your pursuit of money, then you, you can tend to wall them off, and that creates a lot of problems relationally. Uh, debt is very real. Uh, when you're greedy and you want things, and money is very important to you, whatever the cost, you're going to get it. And in the, the day of credit cards and the day of just kind of excess spending, we tend to just buy whatever we want when we want it. I know I can be guilty of that. You just sense I see it, I want it, and I'm going to get it. And with credit cards, you can get things and not even have the money to get it. And that can lead to debt, small and big, but that still can kind of build these craters in our life that's very difficult to, to crawl out of. There's also things like the economy. And if you're tied to kind of how well the stock market is doing or how bad it's doing or how your 401k, how your savings, all your planning kind of around money and your financial future, as there's economic downturns, that can stress you out, can stress me out. And if that's the primary gauge for how life's doing, just kind of how the economy's doing, we, it's a roller coaster of emotions. It's a roller coaster of control. And so this idea of money is, is very real to us no matter where we are. It can be a big cause of stress to each of our lives. So it's really important that we kind of get the right view of how do we handle this in the right way. It doesn't mean that you don't have money. You shouldn't make money. You shouldn't learn how to use it wisely. But there's a sense in which God is actually involved even in this issue of money. And he wants us to learn how to please him in it. And so it begs the question, how, despite the things that are in our heart, all of us, we, we all deal with selfishness and stubbornness wanting what we want. We all do. That's called sin. But how do we, how do we deal with that and the pull that we have to kind of pursue the things in the wrong order? Well, it begins with, with God's grace. And there's kind of this overwhelming sense as you read the scripture, how the experience of God's grace, it changes your life. And really, again and again, as you read about people, that have followed God. And as you read about people that Jesus impacted, as you read the New Testament or the Old Testament, you find people that live by faith. They followed God. They obeyed his commands. There's a sense in which their life changed because of it. They weren't the same. And so God's grace is what changes us. It deals with these things that are kind of deep within our heart. And we actually experience a changed life as we allow God's grace and as we accept it as the free gift he gives to us. And so as I'm talking today, and we talk about kind of what's real within us, there's nothing that we can do that can help us more than the grace of God. The grace of God bridges the gap between the life that God wants for us and the life that we have. It's God's grace. We can only experience it through His grace. So God's grace, again, is that bridge that allows us to experience that God wants what God wants from our lives. So as we pursue him and as we get to know him, again and again, we keep coming back to God's grace. So we're dealing with money and all the issues that come with it and all the stresses. We have to continually come back. God, I need your help. I need your perspective. There's some things going on. I'm, I'm just, I'm stressed. I want to control. I really want this. I really need this. And it comes back to, okay, will I allow God's grace to continue to change me from the inside out. And that's what it means to have a relationship with him. I want to share a story this morning from the scriptures that I think paint this picture of how the grace of God changes our perspective 
on money and materialism and, and what we would find as being important. And it's from a character called Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus was a tax collector of the day. And he was a Hebrew, but the Romans were in power at the time. And they hired different people that would collect the taxes of the Jewish people. And so if you were a tax collector, you were considered kind of the scum of the community. Because in a way, you were stealing from your own people and you were giving it to the Romans. And so it was like Zacchaeus was high up in kind of the organization of tax collectors. So he had his buddies. They were all tax collectors. Their buddies were tax collectors. And they didn't really relate to other people. When you decide to be a tax collector, you decided really that you were going to give up a whole bunch of relationships in the community of people because they, frankly, they didn't want anything to do with you because you were basically robbing from them. So in a way, the tax collectors in the, the New Testament are kind of like the mob that we've experienced in our country. There's a sense in which they're a tight-knit community that do whatever they can do to gain money and power. And so Zacchaeus was like a leader in this group. He was like the, the head of this local mob family of, of tax collectors. And so you, it begs the question, how could somebody who is with this group of people, that's his people, his community, how could he turn kind of his back on them to really be this person that robs from them? Well, it, it, it's greed. He wanted the money. He wanted the materialism. He wanted the success. He wanted these things that being a tax collector could provide. And he really turned a blind eye to all the things that he would lose. Because he thought, if I could gain money, I will gain everything I need. And so really, money became like his God. Everything he wanted, he could find in money. And so he turned his back on his people to, to be this tax collector. Well, Jesus was coming through the different villages of the day. And he was sharing truth about what the kingdom of God was like. And he was serving people. He was healing people. And what was tending to happen was Jesus' name and kind of his reputation was going from village to village and people were hearing about him and kind of crowds were gathering, wanted to, to hear him himself, themselves. And Zacchaeus was no different. He had heard of this person called Jesus who was sharing, this great teacher, who had perspective that he had not heard before. And so Zacchaeus, he wanted to be a part of the action. He wanted to hear from this person that had been just sharing this news that no one had really heard before. And so what Zacchaeus did, if you were like grew up in church, there was like a song about Zacchaeus. Does anyone remember that? Zacchaeus was like a wee little man. Anytime you have a song about a wee little man, it's like a good kid song. He was a short guy, wasn't big in stature. But he thought, I'm short, but I'm going to make as much money as possible. And I'm going to be okay. But as Jesus was teaching in the village where he was, he couldn't see him. He couldn't see over the crowds of people. So Zacchaeus decided to climb up a tree so he could hear what Jesus was saying. Now, for us, climbing up a tree seems no big deal. But in that day and in that time, when Jesus was around, honor was very important. And the thought of a man climbing a tree, that would be like what a boy would do. So you, just, you don't climb trees. That's not what you do. But Zacchaeus decided that honor in that moment was less important than actually hearing the words of Jesus whom he had heard had just this perspective 
that was like no other. And so he climbed up this tree. And then something happened that was very interesting. Jesus actually connected with Zacchaeus. And in all this crowd in this village, there was religious leaders. There was people that were considered holy and righteous. And they kind of talked the talk. They kind of outwardly knew what to say. And they were trying to probably impress Jesus, get him to notice him. But in this crowd of religious leaders, Jesus noticed Zacchaeus. And in verse 5, I think you'll see on the screen up here, in Luke 19, it says, And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Now again, Zacchaeus was ostracized. He was a sinner. He was like a sinner of all sinners. He was a tax collector. He was a leader of the tax collectors. So everything was set up against him. Jesus, in everyone's mind, should have nothing to do with Zacchaeus. But instead, he invites him. He says, why don't you come down? You don't have to be up there. Come down. In fact, you don't have to strain your ears to hear me. I will come to your house today. Now, coming to somebody's house is a very big deal, again, in that culture. It's an act of friendship. You don't just kind of casually do that. When you come to somebody's house, you're saying that we, we are connected to each other. There's a relationship between us. And so people were astonished and amazed. How could Jesus, who was speaking about the kingdom of God and speaking about the things that were important, pay attention to this sinner, to this person who is evil in the sight of everybody? Well, and this shows you a lot about God's grace. Despite what Zacchaeus had done, despite what Zacchaeus was living for, Jesus had mercy on him. He gave him his attention. He wanted to come to his house. And Zacchaeus was, was overwhelmed by this gesture. And what he was waiting to hear, it was like he heard in just that moment. There was hope. There was hope for him. And that's the same for all of us today. There's hope. No matter what we've done, and no matter how much sometimes we've wrapped our hearts and our minds around the wrong things, there's hope. And that's what the grace of God is. Despite what we've done, we can be made right because of what Jesus has done for us. Just like Jesus extended the hand of friendship to Zacchaeus, he extends the same hand of friendship to us. And this is what Zacchaeus says a little bit later. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That's one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Zacchaeus was lost, he was confused. He'd forgotten his identity. He'd forgotten what was important. And he decided that money was going to be his God. Money was going to be his idol that he worshipped, that he wrapped his heart and his mind around. And he encountered the hand of friendship from Jesus, the inviting, have a relationship with me. I want to get to know you. And from that, everything that was important to him, everything that he had built his life to become, he... He turned completely around. I'm going to give half of what I make to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone, if I've taken advantage of everyone as I've stolen, because what would happen in the time is tax collectors, 
the Romans would give them the quota they needed to get from people. But all that would go to the Romans. And so the tax collectors would kind of add up the taxes on that. Well, here's a 10% service fee. I had to walk to your door and they're 10%. Like I had to knock on the door and they would just add up all these fees and all these fees. I just made that up. I don't know if they did like a knock on the door tax. So if that's not in the scriptures. Okay. But that's kind of stuff happened. Whatever we could do to make more money. And so in that moment, Zacchaeus realized like I, I've defrauded people. I've taken advantage of people. I've even gone beyond what was required of me to extort more money. And in that moment, he decided, I I couldn't do it anymore. I can't be this person anymore. Because he had encountered Jesus. And there's something about that. In our day, we don't, you know, deal with kind of this issue for ourselves, being a tax collector. But we do deal with this issue of money and its importance to us. And we all tend to have this tight grip over what we make and we want to control it. Because we've worked hard for it. And if we don't control it, we don't have a tight grip, it could just escape our hands like sand. What Jesus showed was there's so much more that's going on in life beyond the pursuit of money, beyond the pursuit of materialism, beyond the pursuit of success. There's actually an opportunity to get things in the right order. And what Jesus showed to the Zacchaeus is it's, it's about me. It's about coming my way and living the life that I'm showing to you. And he was blown away by that. And so he literally changed his life because of it. But what you notice, and this is the hope that we all have, the salvation that Jesus offered, basically saying you are saved, wasn't because of all he said he would do. Jesus knew he could only change by the grace that Jesus could give. And the same is true for us. There's this tendency where we think, okay, God, yeah, I, I get it. I need to kind of figure out my life. I need to sort out things differently. I need to do all this. And we've kind of have this playbook that we're going to try to make ourselves right before God. We've got to earn it. We've got to think differently. We've got to change. And there's just this pile of this list, this list. And we just have to check things off, check things off, check things off, check things off. I need to be okay. God needs to think I'm better than I am. I need to work on that. I need to grow. But there's a sense in which It's actually the opposite. It's the grace of God that allows the change to happen. We can't change without it. And once the salvation came, Zacchaeus realized, my life can change. My priorities can change. My choices can change. My relationships to all these people. Could you imagine Zacchaeus coming back to you and saying, you know what, I I stole from you and I'm only going to repay that but I'm going to repay it fourfold. Could you imagine people, what they'd wonder? Zacchaeus, like, did you fall from that tree? You know, what is wrong with you? This wouldn't make sense. But it was an opportunity. It was the grace of God that changed him. And again and again in Scripture, you see that that flows from putting things in the right order, and that's God first. So no matter where we are, in our pursuit of money and kind of the stress and the things that it brings into our lives, there's a sense in which God first is what's needed. In fact, it actually goes back to the first commandment that God gave his people. And it's found in Exodus 23 and it says, you shall have no other gods before me. 
God is, is something that you, you pursue and you, you, you're devoted to. It has your attention. It has your energy. Everything you're doing, you're, you're looking at it. You're focused on it. You're pursuing it. And God knowing that, saying, if, if you don't have me as your God, first and foremost, life will not work. Because God created us, and He created us where if we put Him first, the things in life and the stewardships that we have, our relationships, our work, our future, our present, those flow out of a life of putting Him first. And if we don't put Him first, things are out of order, and we experience trouble. And this happens to all of us. And it's a daily decision, okay, God, today I choose not to put any God, any pursuit, any devotion above you. And it's a daily choice. And it's a daily battle. No matter if you've been walking with God a long time or if you're new to Christianity, it's still a battle. But it flows from that idea of God first. He's the priority. And once you nail that down, He gives you His power. And He gives you His grace. And you can start to figure out how life works. You spend the rest of your life doing that. Making decisions that please Him. When you mess up, you make decisions that don't. You clean it up. You ask for forgiveness. And you just, along the way, you're, you're making progress. But it starts from that, God being first. There's also some help in the, the wisdom book of, uh, one of the wisdom books of the Old Testament as well in Proverbs. And this scripture that I'm going to read now gives kind of a, a picture of how to handle kind of the responsibilities you have in life. So whether it's money or power, responsibility, authority, work, any kind of thing that you deal with, relationships, this scripture kind of gives a sense and a flavor of, of how does this happen in the right order? Okay, I know I'm not supposed to put anything in front of God, but what does that actually mean? What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to think? And this has been a helpful scripture to me. So I'm just going to kind of break it down uh, kind of idea by idea, because I think this gives kind of the practical, what does it look like to put God first? And since we're talking about money, so what does it look like to put God first in money? And at the end of this verse, you actually see it applied to the area of money. And so it's, it's really relevant. But it's Proverbs 3, 5 through 10. It says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Okay, again, that, that echoes the first commandment. You're not putting any God before God. You're not putting anything before him because you, you trust him with your whole heart. Uh, that idea of your heart, it's kind of everything that's important to you. Your hopes, your vision for how your life is, your idea of success. There's a sense in which that, that comes from your trusting in God, not just your own pursuits. So I'm going to trust Him with all my heart. And this is, and do not lean on your own understanding. So that's the flip side. So if you want to know what it means to not trust God with all your heart, it really means that you are kind of putting your weight on how you think your life should go. What makes sense to you. And when you're leaning on your own understanding, there's a different foundation than when you're trusting God with your whole heart. That foundation is, is cracked. It can't support your weight. Our own understanding, it can't. We're limited in what we understand. Because we're human. We don't see the future. We don't see all the aspects of what we face in the present. We're limited. We'd all agree with that. There's something about just wanting to control our situation that is connected to this idea of leaning on your own understanding. 
It's our crutch. We just want to put all our weight on it, but it can't, it can't hold us. Then it says, goes on, in all your ways, acknowledge him. We think of acknowledge like if you see somebody that you know, it's like, hey, hey, I acknowledge you. Or like in the olden days, you wore a hat, the guy would like, I always thought that was a cool move. You got, I see you. We even say, I see you. Hey, you know, whatever it is, I'm not going to go through the history of acknowledging people. But acknowledge here is, is a little bit different. There's a sense in which it's like an intimate knowledge, like he's, he's your priority. You want to include him. So as you're making decisions and as you're thinking about things, you're always wanting to know what would God think of this situation? That's one of the scariest things you could ever ask. Because when you read the scriptures, you actually find out what he thinks, and then you have a decision to make. It's that idea of ignorance is bliss. It's true in life. But when you acknowledge him, you're saying, God, I want to know what you think about this situation. I need wisdom. I need to know how to make good decisions so there's good outcomes. And that only comes by acknowledging him. Reading the scriptures and finding out what he wants us to do in this specific situation. And then there's a promise from that. It says, and he will make straight your paths. So as you acknowledge him and you find out what he wants and his opinion, not his opinion, but his, his commands and what he finds true in this situation, the sense in which all the kind of t- t- curves and turns and all the things that overwhelm us, there's a clarity that we have. Clarity comes. That's why the scriptures are referred to as the truth. The truth brings the clarity. So as we acknowledge him, we get to know him. We find out what he wants. Our past becomes straight. Then there's another comparison. Be not wise in your own eyes. Basically, don't think that you know exactly what is always going to happen and you've got it all figured out. Since we're talking about playing with fire in this area specifically, I'll give you a fire example and then a money example. Okay? I once had a fireball explode over my head and it was really cool once I realized my head was still attached to my body. But at the time, I, I was scared. I was at a cabin up in Lake Arrowhead and it was cold and it was one of those fireplaces that had the gas and it was like wood, but gas kind of went in there so you could, it could help start it. And so I'm not really any sort of like outdoor guy. I'm not bare grills. Like I can blow things up on accident. Okay. And this was close to happening. So I, I turned the gas on and I, I tried to light, you know, I had a lighter and the flame just went out. It's like, man, the gas must not be working. So I just kept trying the lighter and the flame went out. Something is going on. So I just let it on. I think I walked away, took a little lap and there's still gas coming out. And there's something in science and, you know, you different kind of science people know that there wasn't enough oxygen for the flame to light. So there was too much gas. And I was thinking, since it's not lit, there's not enough gas. Anyways, I took a step away. And I guess in that moment, the oxygen from the room mixed with the gas. And it was like the perfect environment for the flame to explode. And so I looked, I put the lighter in. And in a split second, I said, oh, the the flame didn't go out. And in fact, the flame is now coming towards my face. And so I thought, I'm going to look down. Because that seems like that would be better than looking straight at the flame. I didn't want to acknowledge it. 
So I looked down, and literally the fire went over my head. And like any guy, there were guys in the room, and I was like, did you see that? Like, it was like, cool. But then I looked up, and I started to blink, and my eyelashes had been burned off. And my eyebrows, I had got them like a free trim without paying for it. I mean, I paid for it, but... And then I smelt that like burnt hair and flesh. That was from my arm. I hear that laughing. But it exploded right on me. And and it was like mixed cool and fear at the same time. But what happened is that was me being wise in my own eyes. I, I figured it needs more gas. It's not lighting. It only lights when there's enough gas. But the opposite was true. See, I didn't have wisdom. What I thought about this flame was I need to just crank that puppy. But the opposite was true. I actually needed less. And when the explosion happened, reality came. And my eyelashes were sticking to each other for quite a while. That's what reality does. Reality is reality. What tends to happen is God wants to protect us from these experiences. Because sometimes these experiences can be very painful. And sometimes we need them. Sometimes we need the pain to realize it's real. We have an idea like, yeah, I, I believe that's true. Like I should probably not get in the debt and I probably should make wise decisions. But until we kind of experience pain that comes, it's not always real. But God actually wants us again through these precautions. He wants us to make decisions so we don't experience that. One of the things that I also kind of think I'm wise in my own eyes is just the, the issue of being hasty with my money. And that is when I see something that I want, my first reaction is get it. Want it? Get it. Want it? Get it. And I made some decisions over time that just in haste, I just thought, I don't need to think about this. I don't need to ask anybody. I need to get it because I want it. And so I bought some, I bought a lot of things that in haste were really dumb decisions. They were. The last one I made, probably not the last one, but the last one I'm going to share with you that I can recall is about a year ago. And there was these guys that came and they were selling meat out of like their van. Have you seen that? <laughs> That's embarrassing. But I mean, there's a couple things for guys like explosions and fire. We get into that. And then meat. We get into that as well. And like a meat in a car that comes to your house, like there's not questions of like, why isn't this in a store? Why did he pick my house and there's like, you buy this box, you get another free. It was like the deal that was only going to last for that day. And he was going to go to other people and ask. And I just, all of a sudden I thought, well, I, I like meat. And he has it. I should get it. Before I know it, I bought a box of chicken and a box of steak and I, I think it was like 300 bucks or something like that. And at the time, it was like a great deal. It's like, that would cost you $20,000. Like 300. Well, what happened was over time is I used the meat and I opened it and it was like terrible quality. It was like, some is still in my freezer if you want to come over and see it. But terrible. Like you cook it and it like shrinks. It's like a chicken breast and it's a nugget. I paid for that. What it was is I wanted it. And so I, I acted. I did what made sense. He's offering something that I want. 
And what I realized is me and my wife debriefed about that. We didn't, we didn't take time to think about it. We didn't really decide, is this a good decision? We just did it. And you probably have experiences like that where you look and you cringe and you're like, oh yeah, that time I bought that. What you find is, is the, our money is, is actually a gift from the Lord. It flows from Him to us. And we are caretakers of that. We're stewards of that. And in that instance, I, I really wasn't a good caretaker. I just decided I wanted to do what I wanted to do. And it was a bad decision. But this idea of trusting in God and not being wise in your own eyes is, is crucial. And it goes on further. It says, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. So take Him seriously. What He says is true and real. I need to live by that. And then verse 8, it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. So His ways will actually bless you. That's what we want. We want this idea of healing and refreshment. Your well-being is improved by doing life God's way. doesn't mean there's not difficulties, but there's a sense in which you're not going to waste away. He's going to take care of you. And then verse 9, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. So he's saying there's this trust that flows. You have to acknowledge him. You have to do it his way, not your way. You have to acknowledge him and not lean on your own understanding. And then it goes to this idea of, okay, well, now you honor him with what he's given you. So it shifts gears. And that's the truth. You can't really honor the Lord with what he's given you unless you trust in him. And you can't honor the Lord with what you've given unless you've realized that being wise in your own eyes is costly. And it brings pain. So all those verses before lead to this point of this idea of you, you give back to God who has given to you. And then it goes on, verse 10, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. There's this idea of he takes care of you. If you decide that you're going to give to God and not build your own portfolio, but actually open your hand and give what he's given to you back to him, you experience far more blessing than if you try to control it yourself. Even that doesn't make sense to us. They're just saying, well, that, how do I get if I give? If I give him the first fruits, of, if I give to him first, how will that take care of me? That's one of those things. It's, it's the battle of, well, that doesn't make sense in my own eyes. And as I'm leaning on my own understanding of things, that doesn't really fit with what I know to be true. But what God's saying is that this is actually reality. And you either learn it or you don't. So in closing, I just want to break down kind of in money, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time in this, but in money, from what we've talked about today, you, you, you see this sense of, of God, God being first. And when you decide that in money, and how you live your life, if you put God first, what the scriptures are saying is, is your life will be so much better than if you put you first, or you put your family first, or you put your career first success first. Your life would be so much better. And it kind of states again from this idea of Exodus 23. Putting God first. This is how you honor God with your money. You, you put him first. You don't put money ahead of him. And the, the second thing is the way to honor God is you want to handle things in the right order. There's actually an order to handling your money. And in the scriptures there's a lot of practical verses that give you a sense of how to do that. I'm not going to spend a lot of time but what you see is a general template is uh, you want to give first, you want to save, and then you want to spend. You want to give, you want to save, and then you want to spend. 
And that flows from a budget. A budget is, is telling your money where to go. Okay, there's a guy that said that. Budget is telling your money where to go, not where it went. Okay, we all like, where did that go? It was slipped through my hands. But if you budget and you understand, okay, God, God needs to be first, so I need to give to him first. This is really where it gets real of following him. Because if you give to him first, you're banking on that that is true. And he's going to take care of you. There's a risk there. But I know for my own life, when I've taken that seriously and decided that I don't need to give to me first, I need to give to him first, I found that to be true. There's many people here today that they've experienced that as well. He takes care of us. In saving, it's, it's being wise. You save because life happens and things come up that you didn't know. And so it's helpful to do that. And even in your giving, the biblical notion of, of giving is you, you give 10% of what you, what you get. But really the backdrop is God, God owns it all. But he's asking for the 10. But no matter where you are, if you've never given to God first, and you've even not even thought about God first in your money, you, you have to start where you are. And he, he is gracious. But it begins with that willingness, like Zacchaeus, I'm going to climb that tree. And there's a risk, but I'm going to do it. Because I know that this is true. And so I want to encourage you, no matter where you are and kind of money and, and what that does in your life and the battle that you may experience, I just want to encourage you today. How can you put God first in this area? What are some things that you need to do? You may need to just, you need to kind of check with Him before you make major decisions with your money. Maybe you need some just wise counsel on how to handle it, how to handle it better. And the last point is it might just be you need, you need to thank him for providing enough for you. I know for me, part of the battle is I think that I'm not taken care of. And that's where I d- decide, haste, I need it, so I'm going to get it. Because if I don't get it, I might miss it. And if I miss it, then I'm going to be without. If I'm without, I'm going to be in trouble. It's fear. I fear God's not going to take care of me. But when you thank God for providing enough, you recognize, God, as I've put you first, and even as I've messed up and I haven't, you've taken care of me. You've come through. That's what God wants to do. He wants to build a story in your life as you make these decisions. As you took a risk and decided, instead of just pursuing what I want, I'm going to ask God to really do what He wants and to give to Him first and to be generous with others, to extend what I have to be a blessing to other people. He comes through, and that's the story he, he wants to build. So as I close, I just encourage you, just think through what, what next step could you take in this. It may mean that you just you need to talk to somebody, and you, you want to figure out just how you can get traction in this area. As the band comes up, uh, I encourage you to, to ask, ask for help. If you don't know anybody and you just like to find out, you could talk to me even after the service today. Another thing is you just may need to thank God. And you'll see that as the second next step. Just thank God for for what he's provided. And then the third next step is maybe it's time for you to automate your giving. It's just something that you know you need to do first. Because of that, if you automate it, you decide I'm going to give. 
you know it's going to happen. It's going to be a priority. And so if you'd like just resources on what giving to God looks like, uh, you can go to our website, churchinthevalley.com and uh, forward slash giving, and you can get to our giving page. You can also click on it from the home page. But there's some resources on there and some perspective that we put on just to provide help. And so we want to extend that to you as we all wrestle with this. It helps to kind of get some perspective uh, along the way. So encourage you in that. I'm going to pray. And as I uh, get done praying, we're going to receive our offering. And as the offering comes by, you can drop your connection card in there. And I just wanted to thank for all of you who, who do give to Church in the Valley. Your generosity is what allows us to do what we do. And so I, I just am so thankful to God. For, for all of you and how you help us with that. So let's pray together. God, thank you for just the example of Zacchaeus, despite what he had done and the sin and the mixed up priorities. He experienced grace and that just shows the kind of God you are, that you help us no matter where we are and what we've done. And help us to remember that it's not by our own effort but it's really by allowing your grace to change us that we can change. And so, God, we, we thank you for how good you are to us, how you provide for us. And we really uh, don't want to spend our days just spinning and making no traction. So I, I pray, God, that you'll really help us to get things in the right order. In the name of Lord Jesus Christ, amen.